The scripture for today's sermon comes from Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through chapter 12, verse 8. The word of God speaks to us. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we may have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is God's word to us. Well, good morning. My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are wrapping up our summer series around Rhythms of Grace. This is what we've been walking through this summer, and this morning we're going to talk about this in, in terms of the rhythm of grace that God has given us of community, and the, what that looks like in our lives. If you haven't been here, if you haven't been here for any of it, I would encourage you to jump on the podcast feed, to go back and listen to some of those. It's been a real blessing for us over the course of the summer to walk through these rhythms, that they're, they're more than what we've expected them to be. I found, it just for my own self, it, it's been more than what I was thinking. We walked through scripture and prayer, and, and not just reading the Bible, but this gift that it is for us in, in big chunks and in small chunks. In prayer, same way, we've walked through work and rest, these rhythms that God has given us. They, they're tied together, right? But we're to work and what that is and why that's more than just our job, what rest looks like for our life. Last week or two weeks ago, we talked about gathering. Gathering for the Lord's Day, this, this type of gathering right here, but, but that it's so much more than just an hour out of your schedule. We also talked about scattering, this idea of generosity, living generous lives that are far more than just dollars and cents conversations, that, that this is actually a head and a heart conversation, that, that we would live lives out of generosity because God has been so generous to us. And so these things, these rhythms that we're, we're talking about are, are essentially like the root system of our faith. 
As, as we practice these, as we, as we put these into our lives, these are the roots that go deep, deep below the ground where no one else sees, where the Lord is at work in here. And it is this root system which brings so much life. But like any good root system, it doesn't just go down, right? It grows up. And those things start to show themselves. The fruit shows themselves because no one just wants roots. They actually want the fruit. And that's what we want to see in this. And so uh, where roots are present and where they're growing, where they're growing deep, they will grow up to bring beauty and life and joy and fruit in some measure to some way to those around them. Now that's, what, that's where we kind of pick it up right here. This idea, this foundational truth that we're blessed to be a blessing. We're not just here to accumulate stuff. We're not just here to have a good life. We are blessed by God to turn around and be a blessing to others. And don't, don't reduce that to some caricature. Like our, our lives are not just for our own good, but, but for the glory of God and the good of others as well. And so we get to do this this morning where we turn and look at community as a rhythm of grace for us. And, and we're kind of walking this through in, in a rather odd passage. We're looking at the end of 11 and the beginning of 12, and yet so often we read these three sections completely separate, but Paul doesn't separate them. Paul's not putting in chapter breaks. He's not putting in this verse mark. Those are for our understanding. Paul's writing a letter, and it just flows. And so directly out of the glory of God comes living sacrifice, and, and directly out of living sacrifice comes body and walking as a body. And so we're going to walk through that today. We're going to look at this crazy, mind-bending reasoning that God has given us uh, for living and for what life is to be centered around. And then we're going to just take a second and quickly see where the Bible calls us to respond to where life is found. And finally, we're going to spend the bulk of our time walking through the way the Bible has repeatedly told us how to live this out. That's where we're going to be today. And so I am inviting your prayers for me. I, I need your prayers, and I want to pray over us right now. Father, we need you. We ask that you would meet us and stir us that you'd move us from complacency, that you'd move us out of just looking for our own comfort and our own ways. Help us to not just go through the motions this morning, but to actually uh, let your word, your spirit be at work right here, that we would open our hands to whatever we're holding on tight to. And God, whatever you, you need to convict us of, we pray that you would do that. For those that are dragging in here and feel like they're at the end of the rope, God, I pray that you would meet them in grace and kindness and, and recognize your invitation to turn to you. And so for each one of us, God, meet us where exactly where we're at. But God, we know that you love us enough to not leave us there. And so Spirit of God, work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so like, let's just dive into this. The Bible gives us a picture of community. 
It gives us a picture of community that often we reduce to a little box. We reduce to something very small. But that picture that is over and over again, it's in 1 Corinthians, it's in Ephesians, it's teased out in some other spots. It's right here in Romans 12. That picture that we get throughout Scripture, it's Paul's favorite metaphor. He goes back to about what life looks like is the body. This body of Christ and how a body works and functions together. And friends, like we just got to be honest right off the bat. Bodies are weird. They're germy. They're messy. There are all sorts of crazy things that happen. We do not understand all about the body, how it works. Even our best medical professionals amongst us do not understand all sorts of things about the body. But we can just, it's safe to say, like, bodies are messy things. And just catch this before we dive into this metaphor. We'll get to it. Like, But God's inviting us into something that is messy. It's not easy to understand. It is not always easy to work together. And the picture itself even comes back to, like, like, Elbows and knees. And my guess is elbows do not value knees all that much on their own. And yet this picture that continually comes up is that God is calling us in to this knit together form of walking with him. That matters for us. It matters. The body is weird. And let me just give you, I spent way too much time just digging around stupid, weird body facts this week. But, like, let me just tell you this. Like, in a room full of people and kids all over the place, we have a number of people in our church right now, a number of ladies who are pregnant. Uh, listen to this fact. The three things pregnant women dream most of during their first trimester. Three things. Frogs. Worms, frogs, worms, and potted plants. Like, I, I can't explain this. And guess what? What you find in this is that scientists can't either. There's no rhyme or reason why we do these things. Because our hormones, everything that's moving through these bodies actually play these weird tricks on our head and our hearts. And that is true for us as well. And when we're talking about this, we're not just talking about weird anomalies. We're not talking about if you've been to the State Fair of Oklahoma, and if you haven't, it is an experience. It's where you're walking outside and you stick to the ground. So it's like this weird spot that you go to. But you could go to the man-eating chicken exhibit. That's not what we're talking about. If you're a person of a certain age like me, you grew up going to the grocery store. I know most people don't go to the grocery store now. But, like, you grew up going to the grocery store, and you'd see those, like, those magazines right at checkout, the Weekly World News. Maybe you remember this. And it would have, like, the headline, Bat Boy was found in this place. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about these weird anomalies. We're talking about the everyday function of the body that is strange. And weird, and that's the picture that we're given again and again in Scripture of how we're to walk out community as a body of people that are messy and messed up. We bring our brokenness to that. We bring all of these things to it, and yet we're still quite messy. And so we, we want to step into this recognizing that it isn't just anybody. It's the body of Christ we're being invited to. Christ is the head connecting every bit of this together, every one of us together. And so that brings us to our first point, this universal big picture perspective bending reason, the reasoning for this as a rhythm of grace in context. Romans 11 says this, the end of it says, oh, 
the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Answer, none. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You see, it's wisdom, it's knowledge, it's gifts. And and the giver of this, all the source of every bit of it is God. And he turns it right back and he says, it's through this, this giver of all good things, that he will receive glory and honor that we have. We read these verses last week. We wrapped up right there last week. And you can think of it as like the, the, the soil in which everything that follows grows. It's the soil in which if we don't have good soil, it's not going to grow. And here is your motivation. Here is your reasoning for life together. Here's your reasoning for walking out as community. But it's right here that we often neglect that most basic element. We just try to say, oh, we should get together. I I guess our church does community groups or another church does Sunday school class. And these people are my age or these people have my likings and interests or these people do my things. I'm all all for that. I guess we should add people to our life. And and in some places where we're we're in a good spot in our life, we're like, man, I, I might have enough friends. I might have enough things on my calendar. And then there are other times in which we're like, Man, life is falling apart, and life is hard, and we're thinking, maybe, maybe this has crossed your mind. Life is falling apart, and you think, like, I'm not sure I want those people to know that about me. Both are revealers that we miss the point on what community is. Both are revealers that we're missing the real reasoning That God is glorious, that all of this is from God. He has a reason for us to do it. And a biblical eyes open understanding of who God is leads us to understanding that it's all grace. When we know who God is and we know like this God is for our good, this God is at work in it, then our perspective on everything shifts. And we can say that. It's easy to say those things, right? We just sang it. It's your breath that is filling up my lungs. We just sang those words. It's your breath that is filling up my lungs. We sang that you are worthy, God. You are worthy in all these things. And, and that is true. And yet sometimes they're just words that we say. And so the reality of God, the reality of God being so outrageously outside of our box, that outside of the box that we put him in. We, we think, like, God, you just work here on Sunday mornings or in this way or at these times when I summon you. Like the, the, the craziness of God far beyond. No one has the understanding of God. No one has the wisdom of God. All of this, all things are from him and through him and to him. That changes everything. That becomes our motivation. That becomes the reasoning that we do things. Now, before we move on, maybe you've been doing churchy things. Maybe you've been doing those churchy things to kind of clean ourselves up, 
or to feel good, or maybe not good, but maybe not as bad. And maybe, maybe you've been like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. If I just jump through these three hoops, then everything will be better and everything will seem right. And maybe you've been stepping through some of those ways, but like, listen, it's not about, did I check off this list? It's, it's about recognizing who God is. God, this first source, God, this giver of all good things, God, this God who is the beginning and the end of, of our hope. It's right here. This is, the, this is the miracle grow where those roots that are going deep start to really shoot up in our life, which leads us to our second piece, which is not just understanding who God is, but understanding who we are in this. Paul, Paul's call to respond comes immediately after really declaring who God is. Paul's call to respond is this, this call to living as a sacrifice. And maybe you've heard this verse before. Maybe you've seen it before, but let's read it with fresh eyes right here. Chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, because of what has been said before this, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, Paul is giving an appeal. He's like, hear this, friends. He doesn't qualify that to just like, if you're someone who goes to church all the time, here's your appeal. No, he's like, wherever you find yourself, because of God's good mercies, because of who God is, this is the, the appeal. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. And notice where it goes. It, isn't, it doesn't end there. It goes to this transforming of our thoughts and our lives, our actions and our attitudes. It goes to a transformed life. And I, I just confess, like, there have been plenty of times where this, this has been a bumper sticker on my life. This verse of living sacrifice and make this, a, make this who I am. God, today I'm going to be a living sacrifice today. And that's just been, that was my motivation. That was the fuel. And guess what? That fuel ran out really fast because it was all effort. It was all me just trying. Maybe you've gone to, to church for a long time. Maybe if you were honest, you'd say, man, I've tried I've tried Christianity and it just doesn't work. Maybe if you were to, to dig in deeper, maybe that's not where you're at either. But maybe you'd say, I've tried community and it left me sour. And I don't know where you've been at. I know that there are ways that I've approached community before that are exhausting. And there are ways that I've gone to walking with others that are, are all effort and, and no roots. And yet what, right here what we get is this invitation from God to not just try to muscle it up. You're not the sacrifice. You're not the ultimate sacrifice. We're living as those who recognize the real sacrifice. And we, we live differently because of what God has done because of what God has called us to. 
because of what God's doing in us and through us. And so it's right here, a biblical understanding of God, a biblical understanding of the purpose of why we're supposed to live different, that things change, that lives change, but not always in the ways in which we expect it. See, I found so often in my life where I have this like tunnel vision where I'm looking over this one hill for God to ride over on the white horse and save the day. And I just get this tunnel vision in my mind and don't recognize all the ways in which God has come around us. Has God, had, God has been working those things around us all the time. And again, let me just say this. Hey, we're talking about community don't reduce it just to community groups, and yet uh, it's not less than that either. It is the way in which all of us get to play, all of us are participating, all of us are walking out, all of us are known in our community groups, and yet there are ways in which we think, man, this community group is exhausting right now. This is tiring. There's 15 kids and three adults in this thing, and I'm just tired in all of this moment. We talk about community groups starting up again, and you're like, that is tiring just hearing that announcement talked about. And what I want you to hear is that maybe, maybe, just maybe, so many of us have been walking this out as like, I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I'm going to jump through all the hoops and stuff. And we're forgetting that it's God who's at the center of all. And we think that it's just going to be like, I'm going to get in this group. Everything's going to be really smooth. And the reality is like, it's intentionally not smooth. Why? Because bodies are messy. People are broken. And pregnant ladies are having weird dreams. (laughs) Pregnant ladies are having weird dreams. And so it's in this, when we catch who God is and who we are in this equation, that we start to see what he's called us in, in this rhythm of grace that we have in community. So read with me in verse 3. It's interesting, directly out of calling us to live as these living sacrifices, walk as a living sacrifice, here's directly where Paul goes with this. He says, for For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, just kind of put a pin in that for a second, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, for we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. You see, if we have the soil, that that soil, knowing who God is and knowing who we are, how can we be anything but humble? Like if if we have the right soil at work, what's being called out is like, hey, don't think too highly of yourself. Like actually recognize where you're at in this. All of it is graced by God in your life. And yet we we struggle because we're messy people in this. And it points this out right away. But it doesn't stop at just like, hey, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. If you stopped reading right there, you would have missed it. We also have to fight the temptation of having too low an opinion of ourselves. In which we're like, "Ah, maybe you're not one who's fighting this battle of like, I'm God's gift to this place right here. No, maybe what you're actually struggling with is recognizing that you have a part to play in the body of Christ. 
you have a part to play in community. I had a lady years ago who told us, like, she was like, I, she was a widow, and she, she told us she didn't sing, she couldn't sing, and she didn't want to work with kids. And she was like, I don't know how I can help anything in the church. And somewhere she picked that up along the way. And so maybe for you, it's, it's not thinking too highly of yourself. It's that you're thinking too low of yourself and what God can do in you and through you. You see this discussion around sober judgment. That's a body chemistry conversation, right? That's a picture that he's like, where your eyes are messed up because of the, the chemistry that is working inside of your body. Your eyes are, are not seeing things clearly. Like recognize where you're at with sober judgment because sometimes we, we see the world around us with these rose-tinted glasses that are like, everything's good. And then if you're anything like me, two seconds later, you can take those off and like, everything is terrible. It's all falling apart. And yet, Paul tells us to see with sober judgment. To see things clearly with sober judgment. You see, living out this rhythm of grace from God requires us to do some things individually. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think too lowly of yourself. See yourself with sober judgment. But we also need others for that. I need brothers in my life speaking into my life. I need people in my life who say, hey, you know what? Like, you could really think about this. Like, there might be another perspective on this that you haven't thought about. And if I'm just left to my own brain, if I'm just left to my own actions, I'm just going to keep going down this way. And I actually need people in my life as a grace who sometimes tell me that my stuff stinks who sometimes tell me that I'm not as much as I think I am, and at other times tell me you're more than you think you are. We need that community in our life. And so there's an aspect of this which is lived out individually, but our, so much of this has to be lived out together for us to recognize who God is. Community is primarily a together grace which we could have never experienced through endless, well-intentioned solo efforts. It's in the name. <laughs> it's in the name. Community coming from this communal aspect that we would do this together. And to be clear, just to, again, reiterate this, we're talking about more than our community groups. We're talking about more than our community groups. This isn't just a a recruiting pitch to join a team, but it, it certainly involves our community groups in, in very real and life-giving ways. You see, it's, it's here while our community groups can be challenging, even, even on the best days, our community groups can be challenging. It's here in those moments is where, where this rhythm of grace most forms us. It's in those tension spots. It's where knees are, are not understanding elbows in which the, the real spots of God working this, this grace in our life is at play. It's in those turns, in those moments where it's not going smoothly, in which we actually see, I need this person in my life. 
I need these people in my life because if I was just, if I was just doing this alone, I would have gone off the rails a long time ago. It's right here in these moments where we see it. Living as a solo act entirely misses the point of this body metaphor. And it reveals a misunderstanding of the gospel. It reveals an understanding of what God's invited us into. When we just say, no, it's just my faith in God. We just, we just walk this out together. Like we're revealing something about our hearts and our understanding of what God's invited us to. He's invited us to his family. Not just to be his buddy that stays there. He's invited us to his family, to his body. He's called us into this and not just for our own good, but for the good of those around us. That we would live differently. And what you get in that so, verse 5 says, is that Christians are intended to function and fit together, though often awkwardly. In the same way that a human body does, it's introducing the second half of this metaphor that he gives right here. And you, so, so look at it in verse 6. It says, having, having gifts that differ, like, like these parts of the body are different, having gifts that differ. Let's just be really honest. Gifts that differ are going to frustrate other people. We don't tend to value other people's gifts. Or we overvalue it and we say, man, I really wish I had that gift. And so those things are friction points, and that's for our good. That is for our good. Gifts that differ, they're, they're there for us. Let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That same word that was used last week with generosity. It's like a joy leaping out of us with cheerfulness. You see, it describes all sorts of different things. Like it describes a teacher who probably has some type of analytical brain. And then it it describes this other person with cheerfulness. Who's like, let's go, let's roll, let's have a good time. And I guarantee you, those people frustrate each other. And yet God has put them together for a reason. For his good. It's not an accident. We know that all of this is from God. It's through God. It's to him. And it's in those moments where we're out of God's glorious nature. He calls us to live as living sacrifices. And he says, here's what that's going to look like. It's going to look in community with one another. Like we think of, I'm going to be a living sacrifice today as a solo project, God. I'm just going to be a really nice person and not sin today. And yet what you're being invited into is like, great, man, I hope you do that. But now I'm going to put you with all these other messy people. And that's for your good. It's for your good. And it's for the good of those around you as well. You see, God is the one who makes us different. God is the one who gives us all these different giftings. God is the one who wires us in different ways, gives us all different types of emotions. God is the one who gives us different story. But these differences are actually part of the grace of God informing us. 
part of the grace of God in working out his love. It's also a testimony of who he is and what he's done. Like, why would these people even be in the same room together apart from the grace of God? Apart from the grace of God. You see, every bit of this letter to Romans is a letter about God rescuing people. It's a letter about our sin condition. It's a letter about who we are and where we'd be apart from him. It's a letter of of just our hopelessness apart from this great God. And this part of the letter actually tells us how to walk out in this rhythm of grace. We do this together. You weren't rescued to just go off and, and walk on your own. God didn't save us just to be a solo act. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing to our neighbors to our coworkers, to our classmates, to the people we come across regularly, to the person at the grocery store, if you still go to the grocery store, to those around us. And I love how Francis Schaeffer puts it. Francis Schaeffer, a Christian thinker from generations, several generations back, but he puts his finger on something that we need to hear and that we've got to carry out with us as we live this and and help us to see this rhythm of grace, not just for us, but for those around us. He says, the church is to be a loving church in a dying culture. How then is the dying culture going to consider us in the midst of the world, in the, in the middle of our greatest dying, in our present dying culture? Jesus is giving a right to the world. Upon his authority, he gives the world the right to judge whether you and I are born again Christians on the basis of our observable love towards Christians. He goes on just a few pages later. He says this. This is the whole point. He sums it up. This is the whole point. The world is going to judge whether Jesus has been sent by the Father on the basis of something that is open to observation. That's the community of God walking together. When we reduce it to just an event on our calendar, we miss the point. When we reduce it to just a a family meal that we come together once in a while, we have awkward conversations, and we just try to make it happen so we can get out of there, we miss the point. If we're going to understand biblical community and not just a caricature of what it is, we need a lab to work these things out. And that lab is our community. This is a part of it but it's not the whole thing because not all of us get to play in this moment. Not all of us are, per, are participants in the same way. It's hard to be known in a room of 100-something people. It's hard, hard to be known. It's hard to bring your needs and your requests. It's hard to hear others and speak into those things. It is impossible to do that just by coming and looking forward for an hour. God's invited us into something. He's invited our neighbors into those community groups to see and experience it to rub shoulders and to see the messiness and also to see the redemption that is taking place where God takes our brokenness and he brings beauty from it. You see, Paul is confessing the idea of community as a means for God to be glorified and for his followers to live as sacrifices. It's a community where the truth of the gospel is deeply believed And and it reveals spots where we say nice things, but are having a hard time actually living it out. 
That's where I need those people around me to help me see those blind spots. It's, it's where we're trying to live these things out. It's, it's a spot for healthy, transformative honesty. Where I'm confessing sin with those people around me. I'm, I'm speaking and they're praying into my life. I'm, I'm telling them all the ways in which I've made a mess of my life this week. And they're speaking those things into me as well. The hope of the gospel that sometimes I forget. That's what community is. It'll be a community where people are increasingly find their identity in Christ and not in the approval of others. It's where those tensions actually lead to beauty and not to walking away from one another. It's a community where self-righteousness gives way to faith righteousness. A community where people are loved as they are, but loved too much to let them stay there. See, you can bring your brokenness to community. So often here we come all polished up and sitting up straight and like I, I, got, I got it all together. In our community, we actually get to walk this out together and we say, man, I'm a messed up person in need of a savior. We live this out together. It'll be a community of grace upon grace. It'll be a community of generous hospitality. And according to this, like we need that humility to be a part of it. It's where we yield to one another. Because we're not just a solo act, right? We're part of a body. We're part of walking this out together. And so, friends, because there, just think about the math that we've walked through. Because there is no God like our God. Precisely because it's our God who has all wisdom and understanding. Because of him, and there is no one more wise, hear the call that he gives us to live differently. To walk as living sacrifices. And to do that directly in our community. With other people in our life. With people chiseling on us. Rubbing. Rubbing those spots that we'd rather them not see. And also lifting our arms when they're exhausted. It's because of this. It's because of the real sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that we can live out as these living sacrifices. It's because of Jesus and what Jesus has done, that he came and lived perfectly, that we can walk in these groups together. And where we come across those spots that are like, man, I'm sick of this person. We say, no, but Jesus perfectly lived this out. And he's inviting us to do the same. And so, friends, bodies are messy. Bodies are, are awkward. But the body of Christ is all those things and so much more. And he's inviting you into this rhythm of grace in that we, we lean in even when it's difficult and we step to one another because it's right there in those awkward moments. It's in those moments where we're like, this isn't how I saw this one going right here, in which God meets us and forms us more and more into his image. For his glory and for our good. Will you pray with me?